Hello and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 43. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast is another in my series of 21st century deadheads and uh, they have just been so much fun getting to know and talk to this uh, new younger generation of deadheads. Um, their perspective and, and songs and uh, energy has been really infectious. And uh, this isn't just any 19-year-old deadhead, but this is Matt Robinson's son, Ben Robinson. Matt is uh, a friend of mine, and um, so this is just so much fun how it came together. And uh, Ben and I have a lot of fun telling the story about how we met, um, at least virtually. We have not met in person, even though we were at some of the same shows together this past June. But uh, we do have a good time breaking down the Fenway shows that we are both at. And he actually selected a couple songs, one from each night. So, I mean, that's a true mark of a good time that was had by all. And uh, I have to say on a side note, uh, The Dancing in the Streets, which was a choice from Saturday, I can now say with full confidence that, in my opinion, that is the song of the summer of 2017. Uh, I had really first gotten familiar with that jam, that 1977 Cornell jam, uh, from here on the podcast when uh, Robert A. Fadley was on a couple episodes ago. Hey, Robert Fadley. Um, that was really the first time I, I got to know it, and, uh, and afterwards I just became obsessed by it. So when I heard him break it out in Colorado, I was stoked. And uh, then when I heard it live in Fenway, um, you know, it just really put me over the moon. Um, hearing it in City Field, I mean, another gem from the show. And then while watching it on couch tour with my friend Leo at Wrigley, well, that just really sealed the deal. And I am now calling it the It Song of 2017 Summer Tour. And uh, with 2017 Summer Tour over, you know, I think we're all a little sad. And so, guys, if you're listening to Strangers Stopping Strangers, I got to tell you, all us deadheads, our eyes are on Fall Tour 2017. So uh, let's see if we can make that happen. And I guess in the meantime, there is nothing left to do but smile, smile, smile. So, uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope everybody enjoys, and I'll uh, catch you in a couple weeks. Well, Ben Robinson, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Hi, it's great to be on. Thank uh, you. I'm so excited to have you on. So we have to tell the listeners because this is such a fun story. I mean, we we are strangers. We have not met, correct? Right, right. But we have a common person that's hopefully listening to this, and um, and this this just the most. It's just so fun. So I work with your dad, obviously. Yeah. Yep. No, he knows I'm a crazy deadhead. Hey, Matt, and I. <laughs> Gave him one of my he, – so he started telling me about you a couple of years ago. And in a meeting, I recently gave him one of my little magnets. And uh, and uh, and then tell me what happened next. And then he comes home, and he gives me the magnet and says, oh, I have this coworker named Stacy, and uh, she's a deadhead, and she gave me this. And I saw that it was the Strangers Stopping Strangers podcast, and I was like, oh, I've seen that. Like, I've, I've listened to that. I've seen that on Twitter. 
it was just it was just crazy because he he works with you and just never knew. Yeah, so good. And crazy coincidence. Great. And you're friends with Connor. Yep. Hey, Connor. <laughs> well, yeah, so, and that was also crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, we're a tight community over here. And uh, yep. yeah, no, I think uh, you recognizing the magnet gave a world of validation to Mr. Matt Robinson for Strangers Stopping Strangers. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person one of these days real soon. We were at the same place yeah, at the same definitely. time, but we didn't actually definitely. meet. But it was fun. Did you have a good time? Yeah. It was a great time. Those those two Fenway shows were amazing. Last year was great, and this year was even better, I think. Yeah, they were awesome. Well, you know you know it's a tale. You know you had a good time when you picked out a couple of the songs to add on this podcast. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Literally putting your money where your mouth is on that one. Yep. <laughs> All right. So I feel like, again, with your dad, he kind of mentioned, oh, yeah, my, my, my kid likes, you know, he kind of likes Grateful Dead, too, for the last couple of years. So I, I want to hear from you kind of the whole story. Like, how did you uh, how did you find uh, the music and uh, what sucked you in? And tell everyone a little bit about uh, what the, the early yep. days. So I, I never really listened to the Dead, never knew who they were. Um, I always listened to the Allman Brothers band since a young age because my dad was really into them and would play them. But I never knew who the Grateful Dead were, never knew who Jerry Garcia was. I think I saw a video of Jerry Garcia playing when I was little on YouTube and was like, oh, he hits a lot of notes, and I didn't really remember who he was. But um, I had a shared iTunes library with my whole family when I was younger, and I saw that there was Scarlet Begonias by the Grateful Dead, and I just decided to click on it. And I heard the song, and I it sounded so familiar, but I, I knew I never heard it before, and I, I loved it, so I kept exploring, went on Spotify, listened to a bunch of the dead stuff, and I just realized that they were amazing. And then I just kept listening, kept listening, and none of my friends were into them, which was kind of hard. But I got I got a few of my friends into them, and now they're big deadheads just like me, and one of them goes to concerts with me. But um, I'd say this, this kid, Alex, who I went to school with, in, in like eighth grade, he said that his stepdad had a bunch of Grateful Dead CDs, and I said, oh, would you mind bringing him in? Like, I, I just want to borrow him. And so he did. And it was every single album, all the live albums, the whole year of 72. And that was just the Holy grail for me. And I, I got them all, downloaded them all. It's my computer. And it just was amazing. And the first things that I were listening to were the really early live dead things like 69. That first live dead album was amazing. I heard dark star and I just, I, Never heard anything like that before. Just all of the different sounds that they were using. Uh, the improvisation was something that was completely new to me because I I had listened to prog rock from like the 70s. Those were longer songs, so I guess it was easier for me to like The Dead because, I mean, when you're listening to like Rush and they have a 21-minute song, it, it's, it's just like The Dead's 21-minute song. But um, Europe 72 was, was amazing. I just had all those CDs and we listened to them all and they were different. And then I just kept going up in the years and discovering new stuff. And it's, it's just like still now I keep discovering things. And my first concert was in 2014. I went to Dark Star Orchestra with my friend Steven and, and my mom. And we were front row on the rail and it was just one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. It was so fun. That's awesome. Such what a new it? experience. For me. It was at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. 
Okay, so tiny mass. and cool and, yeah, yeah small yeah. and intimate. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It was it was very, very fun. And I was I was playing guitar, too, and the that album, um, Skull and Roses Live, from uh, 1971, where um, they do the Not Fade Away into Going Down the Road Feeling Bad, I had never really heard songs segue like the Dead would do, other than, like, Pink Floyd. Um, I loved those segues, but when I heard the Dead go from song to song, it was just insane. And I started learning all of their songs on guitar. And I think one of the first songs I learned on guitar by the Dead was Not Fade Away and Going Down the Road Feeling Bad. And I learned to put those two together. And then ever since, I've just been playing Grateful Dead guitar and I base everything off Jerry Garcia. And it's just, it's so fun. It's so fun. Well, that's, you know what? That is, we play lots of music here and you, you picked out... Oh, Six songs, <laughs> which uh, is uh, that's always the hardest part when you you say, okay, we're gonna do the podcast. I pick a song, you know, and and yeah, you know, there's exactly. so much love for so much music um, that I always feel like that's uh, that's one of the the harder tasks rather than talking about it is narrowing it down to uh, to the pick. So that was Definitely. your first pick. So let's uh, let's go in and hear that, and then we're gonna come back and hear um, a little bit more about. Um, you know, how things uh, go down the line and, uh, and and opened up to, you know, more years and, and, and up to real time. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, everybody enjoy listening to Going Down the Road, Feeling Bad, Into, Not Fade Away from Skull and Roses. And then we'll be back.
Oh, back from listening to going down the road feeling bad, not fade away. And, you know, when you were just talking a little bit about the, the early, early in Scarlet Begonias, which, you know, is obviously a favorite of mine, um, the inspiration for this podcast. Um, I, I want to know, tell me a little bit about more about finding it, like where, I mean, how that, how that jumped out. Tell, tell me, um, you know, about that, that process. Yeah. So it, it was the first song by the dead that I ever heard. And it was my, we had, we all shared this big computer in our house when, when I was younger, like my sister, my mom and I, and it was just all of our music files. Like my sister's music was on there. My music was on there. And my mom's was on there. And I, I guess my mom had one grateful dead file and it was the studio version of Scarlet Begonias. And I just decided to listen to it one day and it was awesome. Like something just hit me where I was like, I need to, listen to more of this like this band is amazing and i i think just listening to i listened uh to scarlet begonias on repeat just over and over and then then like later when i knew more about the dead and i started like watching videos about of them uh i saw the grateful dead movie and that was like this 1974 winterland footage and that was just amazing just it was mind-blowing watching them play and I knew that there was more video to that than what was on the movie. So I was searching and sure enough, there is the other dates from that run in Winterland where they have the pro shot video of them playing. And one of the songs they do is Scarlet Begonias. And it's just this massive 14 minute jam from 1974. And just listening to the space in the jam of that was wild, how they can space apart every instrument and work all differently, but work together and, it's just, it's just, it was crazy to me because learning, like playing guitar and only really, like I, I started off playing with um, like David Gilmore, like Eddie Van Halen, Steve Ray Vaughan, those were my inspirations, Joe Walsh, stuff like that. And then learning yeah, how, Garcia. How old were you, how old were you when you started playing the guitar? Um, I, you know, I can't, I can't, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but I, uh, let's see, um, I would say... I would say I was probably 12 or 13. Okay. And and I had played, I, I'd known Jerry Garcia, and I never really played his style of music because I was always just into just hard rock and overdrive and uh, just going up to 11 and stuff like that. And then learning about the dead and watching the dead and just seeing how Garcia can just dance around these notes and beautifully just play and where you don't need to be screaming every note and it's just space in between notes matters so much. And then that Scarlet Begonias is just one of the coolest, coolest examples for me on how the dead can create their space and all work together perfectly while each member is doing something different. And it's, and it's just, it's just so cool to me. Well, sometimes they say the most important things um, that are said are the things that are not said. So, you know, maybe that, uh, maybe that applies to the music as well, you know? Definitely. Well, my uh, my Definitely. my boy has picked up a guitar. He's ten. I want to say he picked it up about a year, year and a half ago. My husband likes to play just you know casually, and uh, has been picking up some stuff. And um, my and Joe's really funny. He plays them. Um, he is very proud. He knows "Smoke on the Water." So uh, <laughs> the opening notes. So that's his yeah, like. <laughs> that's great. No, that's great. <laughs> So go to places any to start, right? You know, that's his, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll start somewhere. Uh, he's he's funny. My both of my kids are kind of more into pop music, but Joe's coming over to some like classic rock and some good music, sort of on his own. Um, 
Eric Clapton. That's good. Yeah, Eric Clapton's going to be doing a tour. He's going to apparently the final tour, and he's going to New York. And oh, awesome. if they come to Boston, that we would, you know, closer to New York, that we would consider going. And so he'll ask, is he, is he, have you looked at the Eric Clapton yet? And he's, he's really excited about that potentially being his first concert. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing first experience. And then he's so funny. We were the other day, again, he's kind of like jumping in, and he was, you know, it's it's really new. He's 10. And my husband talks to him about music, too. And so we were playing, uh, he wanted to play Layla, and when Dwayne Allman plays the slide guitar on it. And yeah. so we're listening, and he keeps, he's pointing it out. I'm not sure if it was at the right place or not, but he's like, and that's Dwayne Allman, and that's Dwayne Allman. And then he gets, like, really concerned and, and confused on his face, and he's like, but will it be good without Dwayne Allman there? Who will play that part? I don't know. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. That's actually funny that you, men- you mentioned that because my dad was just mentioning how he was re- he's reading Greg Allman's autobiography. And he just the other day, like yesterday or the day before, was like, did you know that Dwayne Allman plays the slide on Layla? He was like, that's crazy. And I was like, yeah, I knew that. And it's just kind of funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> Well, Matt, we just both learned this from our kids recently because I, for one, had no idea either, Matt, if you're listening, but Joe <laughs> can pick it up and he can point it out and he was very concerned about how an Eric Clapton concert would be without that Dwayne Almond slide guitar and I said, I think it'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think, yeah, if we can go see Dead and Company and love every minute of, uh, of exactly. iteration yeah. of the band, I think we could go enjoy Eric Clapton and friends. Whoever he joins him will be good musicians. They'll be qualified right. to be on that stage, yeah. I'm sure. So yeah. I don't know. I hope it happens. Yeah, it'd be a really super fun first concert. And No, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll see. But it's it's funny listening to uh yeah, just it's just great getting to introduce your kids to stuff and I mean clearly, you know, me being a pretty big uh, deep dive down this uh, you know, Grateful Dead and all things related rabbit hole, they're they've become familiar with this. But um but I feel like it's more at my hand and I like having them come back to me with stuff because then that's their own discovery, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's really cool. That's gonna mean more to them than mom being like, you know, is it Jerry or is it Bob? You know, like I played the game with my daughter. Yeah. I mentioned this on the podcast before. And um, and she plays along when she feels like being nice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, actually, I'm going to say one other kid story. It's really bizarre. Then we'll go and play some music. So this is so funny. Speaking of kids and just this crazy world we live in and, you know, talking to you, which is, you know, generations behind me. So the the live streaming, um, this is the Atlanta show. And it was it was on and it was the, you know, first couple first couple songs and you know I had it, my computer up and I was watching it and I was really excited so I brought it into the other room to show it to my kids and I was like this is where mommy's going next weekend and look at it, look how awesome and they're playing you know whatever they're playing so my daughter was like yeah yeah you know she goes I want to play my music and I said oh, I'll play whatever you want <laughs> so she sat down we sat on the couch next to each other with our earbuds in and I'm watching the dead and company live stream and she's listening to god knows what but like wanted to be hanging out with her and with her at the same time and my husband like walked yeah. into the room and looked at us both of us sitting next to each other with our devices in front of us and our earbuds in and I mean we must have looked like aliens for like from another generation <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's so funny. But at the end of the day, like we were spending time together and she wasn't into my shit and I'm not into her shit. So whatever, you know, like to reach their own. But it's just in that visual of like walking into it must be really pretty funny. Like us just sitting there with our two. That that sounds pretty funny. (laughs) 
but again, I, I can't expect her to listen to mine, and I'm certainly not going to listen to hers. So um, I right. tried to loop her in with John Mayer telling him that he used to do pop music. Like I was taking the uh, the opposite approach of how most people feel about him being in the band. And yeah. I was like, you know, yeah, he no, used to be a pop star. <laughs> I try to because when when I I try to play that for my sister sometimes because she hates she hates the dead she hates fish like that's all I play when I drive and when she's in the car but I, I try to play dead and company I'm like look it's John Mayer you like John Mayer like my sister's seen John Mayer on tour and likes his music but I don't know I just she doesn't like the dead with John Mayer yet but I think she could uh, well, you and I, are, we're, we're going for the same tactics. I went as far as to Spotify, Your Body is a Wonderland. <laughs> like, I was desperate. I was thirsty for it, you know? That's I was true. like, listen yeah. to this song. Maybe you'll like this one. <laughs> <laughs> Said very few deadheads. But, you know, hey, I, I, I enjoyed that song when it was out on the radio. I mean, I, I remember digging it back at the time and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as far as pop music goes, it's not really my thing, but I think his is uh, definitely better than most. So, you know, I got no yeah. shame for John in anything he plays. Yeah, I've, I've I've always enjoyed John Mayer's solo stuff, and I thought I think he's a great fit for Dead and Company. I mean, he's just his voice is great, his guitar playing is phenomenal, yeah. and the energy fits. You know, the energy yeah. is all blogging. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's go play some music. We definitely overspoke the uh, the Scarlet from the Grateful Dead movie, which, yeah, that movie's so fun. We actually have the Chicken Shack Man uh, pop in and out. Fourth um, of July, summertime's coming, so maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll even get the Chicken Shack guy to, to weigh in and say hi on the, this podcast for one soon. Um, All right. This will be uh, this will be right around the Fourth of July, which is when he likes to come out and say hey. But, uh, yeah, let's go in and hear it, and uh, and then we'll be back with a couple more songs and a couple more stories. Great.
Well, back from listening to Scarlet Begonias, and uh, you know, you were talking about the amazingness of the jam, and I, I have to say, this will be edited down a bit, but for everybody, please go to the website and download the music-only um, accompaniment because you know, I the the songs, especially the amazing, great jammy songs, are so wonderful. But I, I just can't have a two and a half hour podcast with all of the music. Yeah. So you'll get a taste of it, and as soon as they start going off into their separate ways, I will I will be you know editing that part out. But I never want to short someone on their um, on their jam. So um, so we will have the full song able to download um, as a companion only guide. So that's the deal. <laughs> yep. um, so yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I think uh yeah. Just it's just it's it's a lot. I mean, and it's a lot of good stuff. But um, I don't know. I feel like the idea of somebody looking at a podcast and it being like two and a half hours would just be a little off putting. You know, like people don't want to make that yeah. of a commitment. Yeah, true. <laughs> so uh, so the next song that is meaningful to you is not obviously one that you were at. It was not the one that was before my time, before your time. You picked a Shakedown Street from November 24th, 1978 at the Capitol Theater, um, which is yep. such an amazing place. So tell me a little bit about uh, why we picked that one. So I loved Shakedown Street. That was one of my like early like Live Dead favorite songs like when I was listening to them. And I just love the envelope filter that Garcia used, that effect that makes the quack. The, the sound he uses on Feel Like a Stranger and Shakedown, like you all know it. And um, I loved Estimated Profit because of that, too. And at that Cap Theater show, actually, it goes um, Estimated Profit into Shakedown Street. Oh, wow. And what's, what's really cool about that transition is that it gets into a jam at the end of Estimated where he turns off all of his effects and he's just kind of playing clean. And the transition is clean. And the intro to the song, he's playing up on the neck. And it's just a totally different intro to Shakedown Street. And Garcia plays was just such passion and that solo was just mind-blowing to me and the like the ways that they can change up their songs live make them totally different from other versions uh it's just it was wild and and there's also a video that circulates of that show which was just awesome to see i mean just so cool and that um that envelope filter that he uses uh for uh guitar nerds it's a mutron three envelope filter and I went online and I like saved up and bought one. Ooh. And now it's in, it's in my guitar rig. So I have that sound. And it's just awesome because I love playing these songs that I love. And now I have all, like, I've been building my guitar rig to sound like Garcia. And I have that envelope filter. And it's just, it's just super fun. And I think the band was on fire in 77 and 78 and 79 too. And it's just a, it's just a top tier jam from 1978. Well, I love me some Shakedown Street. I mean, it's I mean, it's so hard to pick your favorites because I mean, again, your fa- the favorite is, you know, what's your favorite whatever you're in the mood to listen to, you know, um exactly. it's kind of like exactly. uh, in the wine business, what's your favorite wine, you know, like Yeah. I don't know. Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it, you know, like who well, am I with? All the time. Right. I mean, it's all so situational. So, I think a favorite song is really hard, but I really like the upbeat jammy. I mean, there's some ballads that, you know, definitely move me and I'm in the mood for, especially, you know, when you're feeling kind of like, you know, you're feeling kind of nostalgic or you're feeling kind of blue. There's certain songs I want to hear, but the overall, especially live shows that songs that I just get excited about are the Shakedown Streets, are the 
um, the estimateds are the, you know, just those upbeat dancing, you know, jumping exactly. up and down songs. I just fucking love them. So good. I agree. And Shakedown Street was the first Grateful Dead song I ever saw live. Like, oh. it was at, at Dark Star Orchestra, we got a, a crazy good set list. It was, the show started with Shakedown Street and played a bunch of, of uh, material from that album. And the second set had, I think, Scarlet Fire, Estimated Eyes, and Not Fade Away, Black Peter. And it was just, it was a wild show. It's funny, like when you hear, like when you hear now, like that they're on tour. When I hear about, like, um, you know, what they're playing, and I mean, it's so, um, it's so not, it's so not kind of me. It's so not in the Deadhead spirit. But when I looked at last night's sound, last night's set list for Virginia, I was happy for them, but just really kind of pissed at some of the songs that they played because yeah. they're not going to play it at City Field. Yeah, you know, like I haven't yeah. heard Uncle John's band this tour. I haven't heard Shakedown this tour. I yeah. haven't heard Althea this tour. Women are smarter, totally you know. Cool. And I was looking yeah. at it and I was like, ah, fuck. Ah, ah. All right. All right. They just played it. We're not going to hear it on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of like, that was kind of like last year. Um, last year at Fenway, I wanted them to do Scarlet Fire and they, they didn't do Scarlet Fire. They did a solo fire on the mountain just like this year, but. It was like the same situation. They just played it, and I was like, "Damn!" Like I really want to see that. Uh, and when you see it on the set list from the show before, it's just that again, it just nails it in. Like there's no way they're yeah. not going to play it two two times. In exactly. A row. No, and I'm catching six shows this uh, summer. I mean, that's you know, I feel like I deserve to shake down. This is it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did. Well, there's always next year, hopefully. So um, I'm sure whatever they play will be phenomenal. But I was feeling. Um, yeah, not very generous in my heart of hearts when I looked at the set list and was downright jealous. I know the feeling, yeah. <laughs> downright jealous. <laughs> Even when that happens, they play the songs that you totally forget about, and you're like, whoa, uh, didn't see that one coming. That's true. That's a good perspective. That's good. That's a good perspective. And again, everything you see is, and to your point earlier, it's always played slightly different. And, and I play, yeah, so, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be great. But on that note, let's hear some Shakedown Street because we can control what we listen to when we're not at a live show. So I am always down for Shaking on Shakedown Street. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull this one out and play the, um, Shakedown Street from November 24th, 1978, 
Shakedown Street, and uh, and now we're going to go up to up to real time. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, a sign of a of a good concert spent is you picking songs from last weekend <laughs> for yeah. real time picks. So, so tell me a little bit about the experience. Tell me a little bit about Saturday and Sunday. I mean, who you were with? Where'd you go? Like, tell me a bit about um, Saturday, and then we're going to play the Saturday pick, and then we'll talk about Sunday. Yeah, so Saturday I was I was at the I was actually at the show with my mom and my stepdad. They were in a different section than me, but we all went together because my mom is she's like a low key deadhead. She she enjoys it. I give her some some recordings and and she likes them. She puts them on her computer. And she went to one show last year as well. And um, I had friends who were at that show too in different sections, which was fun. And that first show was was great in the fact that. The second set started with Dancing in the Streets, which I had never heard other than a early version because I saw DSO do it in April as a, like a 1960s style version, mm-hmm. which was really cool because they, they did a whole show where they just based their set off like 1969. But seeing the the like new newer sound Dancing in the Streets from like 77 um, at Fenway was just so cool. And to open the second set too with it, and that was it was debuted on this tour, right? I think Yeah, I think they debuted in Colorado. Older. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. I remember I remember couch touring and just seeing it. Um and I was like, Whoa. But I didn't expect them to play it at Fenway and it was it was awesome. And I I love that tone that Mayor gets in that jam. It's it's ridiculous. It's it actually comes from that same envelope filter pedal. You just like switch the direction of something on it and you get that sound. Well, I but have to say, I, it was my highlight as well. It was absolutely, I mean, music never stopped and tons of great stuff, but that, that Dancing in the Streets was, I, mean, I was so happy to see that on your um on Yeah, your the, the, jam, the jam was so fun, just upbeat, like, like, I don't think there was anyone in that place who wasn't dancing during that. Oh, it I was mean, awesome. Yeah. Well, and you know what's yeah. funny is, a couple podcasts ago, not this past one, but the one before, Robert A. Fadley Hey, Robert, if you're listening, um, he is a big jam band guy, you know, uh, loves so much music. He's a, his, his, uh, his column is jam band purist. And the Grateful Dead song he picked was the Dancing in the Streets from Cornell 77. 
And yeah, I wasn't fam- I wasn't familiar with the whole jam, right? So he's singing it, and you know, and I still didn't know the whole jam. And of course, like per what I said earlier, I kind of cut the music down just to save time. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So after that podcast was made, I was listening to the '77 jam, and uh, and I heard that that switchover, what he was talking about, that that thing that's like um, I don't know, ten, eleven minutes. The thing at the end of the jam. At the yeah. end of the jam, where they where yeah, they do where they, the, they go they like they go dun 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 like that thing yeah dun 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 yeah. dun 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 so yeah. so Robert's singing it on the podcast right and I was just like cool yeah you know like you just sang it but I didn't know what it was and um, I mean shame on me because yeah I'm learning every day and um, and after that I just became obsessed with that jam I mean as much as like making other people listen to it they like listen to this listen to this what do you think of that and I mean, maybe listening to it, you know, some for a little while, like every day, yeah. it was like the song I would put on. And um, yeah, no, same. when I uh, when my friend gave me all those dead CDs when I was younger, um, I they were all the deluxe versions. So Terrapin Station was the deluxe version, and it had that Cornell dancing in the streets on it as like the last song. And I didn't know it was from Cornell. I didn't know what date it was. I just knew it was a live version of Dancing in the Streets, and it was insane. I just remember hearing it, and I, I had a band at the time, just very small, like, we were not that good, and we played one gig, uh, I think our set list for that gig was First Tube by Fish, and then we did um, Franklin's Tower, and Dancing in the Streets, and then a Fire on the Mountain Jam, and we, we attempted to play Dancing in the Streets for like 15 minutes, and it was just kind of horrible, but it was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it was just like I needed to play this live. Like I heard it all and I was just like, guys, we have to we have to try this. But it was it's that Dancing on the Streets is always just a awesome jam. Always oh, so upbeat, so fun. It's it's a new favorite. I mean it's a new favorite for me. I mean it's like a I'm so glad that company is doing it. Oh, I am too. And I I actually so as soon as they played it, I took like a little clip and I, I sent it to to Robert and I was like, get check it out, like <laughs> playing yeah. this. I was so excited to hear it because, yeah, it's uh again, it's become like a latest obsession just in the last four weeks or so. So I mean, that's pretty special. I guess I really can't bitch about anything I've heard or will hear if I got to hear that, like due to current circumstances. So right. um, <laughs> I recant my earlier complaint. <laughs> on the last <laughs> segment. I got the Cordell dancing in the street. So there you go, man. Right on. No, it was really yeah. fun. I was uh, somehow scammed my way down to the floor, and uh, I was dancing with a really fun couple. It was kind of down on the floor on the turf over by where the, uh, like the C, the C, uh, section C, like where the concessions were. And um, yeah, yeah, I was in like B seven, wherever that was. That uh, was so fun. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was awesome. Well, let's go play it. Let's go play it. Let's come hear yep. it, and then we're gonna come back and uh, and and we'll talk a little bit about the next day.
Song pick. So we have one more final song pick, and this is from the uh, the 18th, from the next day. So paint the scene. So Saturday you went with your mom and your stepdad, and the dancing was was it for you. So tell me a little bit about your yeah. experience on Sunday. So Sunday, uh, my friend Jeremy from from college, he he lives in um, Westchester, New York, and he took the train up with his friend um, on Sunday to see the show with me, and he stayed over at my house, and so took the train to the city, and we got there and in the first set and, and Connor was there as well in my section. They started doing the acoustic front of the devil and it was awesome. And we were like, okay, cool. Like that was a really cool acoustic thing. And they weren't switching their guitars. And the usually I like, I'm very good at um, figuring out what the song is even before they play it. I've just listened to so much tuning of the dead. Like, I don't know when I think about it, I think I've heard just more tuning than uh, other bands that I listen to just in between songs the dead just hitting random notes on their instruments before songs. But we all in our section thought they were going to play, they were playing bird song at the start of that dark star that almost made it so much better because it was like, we were all like, Oh cool. They're playing acoustic bird song. We were getting so hyped. And then we realized it was dark star and then everything just changes. And you're just like, Whoa. And it's like, it's like they just smack you in the face. Like with just like, this is cooler. Like you just wait and hearing that acoustic dark star and just real knowing that they've never done that. I've never even heard it. I've listened to a million dark stars from all over the dead's um, catalog and dead and company and Phil Lesh and friends. And just, I've, and I've seen dark stars. I've seen dead and company do dark star. I've seen DSO do dark star, Phil Lesh and friends do dark star, but I've never seen an acoustic and that acoustic dark star. Just, I, I still can't believe it happened. Definitely yeah, my beautiful. highlight. Uh, it was and, really yeah, and while it was happening, we were we were like joking, like, "Oh, what if they bring it back in the second set and play it electric?" And like, sure enough, they did, and it was just unreal, an unreal night. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it really was. It was really, really special. That was really, really fun. I had just such a good time that Sunday. Sunday, um, Sunday was great. I went with Steve White, a good friend of mine from the wine business, who I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but if in case you are, hey, Steve. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> ran into, yeah, I ran into a handful of uh, people, and it was uh, like kind of unexpected. And, uh, but it was, it was just amazing. It was so much fun. I, uh, I went with my sister and, uh, and one of my very besties in the world, Liz. They flew out from San Francisco to come to uh, Boston. Oh. So we stayed in Boston Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They went home on Monday, and um, no, we just had a great time. We, you know, got to hang out, and then you know, when the show was going on, and I wanted to, you know, bust over the gate, um, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, hey. We convened after. Actually, that show was pretty funny. So Steve was up front, and so he got me, you know, down. He was in like section A or some, you know, super sweet seated spot. And then there was like a row of people in front of him, and then it was the pit. 
And um, so they lifted me up and put me down on the floor twice. So, um, yeah, the, the, the copying the field Great. was the price of admission, I guess, to get onto the field. But um, it was really super fun. And nothing yeah. like having a couple of people to, like, grab your legs and you know, grab your butt and pick you up and stick you down on the field. <laughs> <laughs> so it was... Uh, and then you get a prime seat. Oh, well, yeah, then you're just, then you're just right up, you know, right up there. And then, uh, I went back around to Steve at the set break and then I was like, all right, boys, <laughs> beginning of the second set. Yeah. Let's do it again. <laughs> so super, super, super fun. And, uh, City Field this weekend, tomorrow, I actually have the pit seats. So I, this is the first show that I'm like legitimately going to have like a ticket to walk down to where I want to be. Yeah. I was, I was in the pit for night two of Dead and Company last year at Fenway and. I was on a teal side, and it was it's just it's cool having the wristband and like not having to like worry about oh I'm sneaking in somewhere. Exactly. But um, yeah. And yeah. also at um the Sunday show, I forgot to mention my friend Jeremy. Um, his friend who came with him, uh, it was his first ever Dead show, first ever jam band experience. Never listened to the Dead before, and he loved it. It's it's awesome seeing seeing that. It's like one of my best friends. Uh, his name's Shane. Uh, I took him to Dark Star Orchestra in April in New Orleans, and he loved it, absolutely loved it. And I was out visiting him uh, in San Francisco. That's where he lives. Uh, he lives in Oakland in June. And I was like, hey, man, there's a Dead & Company concert. Like, I really want to go to this. I was I was really pushing for this. I was like, dude, we should go. And he was like, all right, yeah, I, I like the, sh- the DSO show. And I was like, yeah, this is like the actual Dead. Like, they're really good. And John Mayer, too. And so we drove all the way out to Shoreline and – that show was amazing. We were on the lawn, and he he loved it. He said his favorites were China into Rider and China Doll, and he said he just like said he loved China Doll, and I was like, that's awesome because that's just such a just that's great a song. Song. Let me tell you, yeah. again, a song with the lyrics that, that yeah. so meaningful. And actually, that Shoreline show was the first time Otiel sang China Doll. Yeah. Really no, hey, I was there too. We could, we could, we could, we should pick a third and like roll into that one. That was that was so fun. Yeah. And that was and so, like when Otiel started singing that, it was. Everyone just went. I, I, I still remember. I just get like goosebumps, like talking about this. Like, this, the whole crowd. Like when O'Teal's face came on that screen and he starts singing, oh, the China doll. Everyone's just screaming for like thirty seconds. And same at uh, Dead and Company at Fenway now too when he sang Fire on the Mountain. Yeah. Same feeling. It was wild. Yeah. Well, I really love that he's singing, and I like that Jeff's kind of getting, you know, yes. more, more I, into the jams, I, too. Yes. Last year, Jeff needed to be turned up, I thought, and I thought yeah. that Jeff needed to be, like, leading more jams, but, I mean, if, if Night 2 at Fenway wasn't an example of how good Jeff is, then I don't know what is, because he killed yeah, no, it was it was it was fucking awesome, and uh, yeah, Shoreline was fun, and I like it's pretty funny just the the juxtaposition of the East Coast and the West Coast because I'm originally from the West Coast, so when I would go see the Grateful Dead, it was always West Coast. I never made it to the East Coast, and um, now I live out here, and so most of the things I've seen have been on the East Coast as of late. But I, it was so special to be able to go home and go to Shoreline and see that, like, with my old friends uh, yeah. and, and be there where, I mean, I went to Shoreline instead of prom, you know? Like, that was, you know, yeah. that was that was the place, and that show was really super fun, too. Yeah, Shoreline, on, experiencing Shoreline and just knowing the history about it and seeing, like, it, it was just surreal. That probably the coolest venue I've ever seen, like, a concert at. It was just yeah. amazing. 
like going home. It's going home. Absolutely. It was, uh, yeah, there's just nothing else like it. I agree. The only thing better than Charlene in my memory was Frost, and you will probably never get to Frost. I don't think Frost anymore, but Frost was Frost was the absolute holy grail because Frost was. Yeah, I've heard heard the yeah, I've heard the shows from there. I have a couple recordings from the Frost Amphitheater, like eighties. Yeah, that was that was the ultimate because it was small, it was tiny. Yeah, I've seen pictures of Frost. It looks so cool. It's just trees everywhere and stage in the middle of it. It Yeah, so cool. It was it was really cool, but you know it's it's all just like warm uh, warm warm butterflies and rainbows and unicorns in my in my memory at this point. So yeah, good. Well, let's play that dark star. Let's go and do this super rare, amazing dark star acoustic from Fenway yep. on the 18th, and uh, then we'll come back and we'll say a little goodbye. Awesome.
Well, back from listening to Dark Star and just wanted to say thank you and goodbye and uh, see if Matt, are you still listening? Are you still listening? Did you just listen to the <laughs> beginning and not the end? I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to quiz you, Mr. Robinson, on this last part to make sure that you listen yeah. to the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure you get all the way to yeah, we should have some like trick question for him or something at this point. And then like, so we should have like a code word or something for him. And then I'll say the code word and then we'll know if he listens to the whole podcast or not. If we know he just like started it, what should the code word be? Uh, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always, it should be some like, it should be like a phrase, like uh, Matt Robinson dresses poorly. Oh, and if he, no. if he catches that, if he catches that. I don't know if you will. No, you can never say Matt Robinson dresses poorly. How about... No, he doesn't. He oh, doesn't. Oh, I got a good one. Did you see Matt Robinson in flip-flops at the campgrounds? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Well, we'll see if you listen to it. That'll be our, our, that could be our like secret test on it. And, yeah. Uh, exactly. And uh, we'll be like, yeah, what did we talk about at the end? Let's <laughs> see if he gets the code. Oh, did you listen? Oh, yeah, I loved it. How funny. Well, this was so good getting to know you, and I have no doubt that we'll meet in person. Um, yeah, this despite was really your fun. father's <laughs> warnings about, uh, about meeting crazy Stacy, because uh, <laughs> I'm just so crazy. Not. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely will meet in person, and thank you so much for coming thank on. You. And, yeah, and this is so fun. Yeah. All right. Well, until until we talk again and everyone yep, tuning in. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.